I can't help but think that perhaps that song was for someone here today. Maybe, maybe you need to hear about God's amazing grace that will forgive you of all of your sin, cleanse your heart, and make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. All you have to do is repent and turn to him. Well, this is the last study in the book of Acts. We are coming to an end of our 39-week study. I feel a little bit like, uh, like Kelly in Genesis, but I guess 10 months is a little bit quicker than five years. But anyway, uh, we are coming to a conclusion here. Paul has finally arrived in Rome, and we finally end our study here in the book of Acts. We have followed the progress of the preaching of that gospel after the resurrection all the way, beginning in Jerusalem and now to Rome. And our, our next series, Lord willing, after a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be in an Old Testament book of Nehemiah, Rebuilding the Walls, Rebuilding the Walls. But today we're going to look at Paul's ministry in Rome in Acts chapter 28, verses 16 to 31. And if you follow along with me in these verses, we're going to read that and then we'll pause to pray. Now when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. And, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Then he said to him, we neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have we any of the brethren who've come reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed. After Paul had said one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and, not, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that, that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God 
and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Father, I pray that as we look at Paul's ministry in Rome, that you would teach us some powerful lessons that we need to learn in our own lives and also as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we've seen in the closing chapters of the book of Acts, Paul had been under arrest for two years in Caesarea. He was falsely charged with kind of uh, defaming the temple. And following a series of trials, he appealed, appealed to Caesar. We already have looked at his long and perilous trip to Rome as a prisoner, being including a violent storm and ending in a shipwreck on Malta and being bitten by a viper. And finally he lands in Puteoli, which is Rome's grain terminal. And from this point, Paul and the others travel by land along the great Appian Way. When the Roman Christians got news of Paul's arrival in Italy, they came out from the capital, Rome, to Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet Paul and escort him into Rome. And Paul felt greatly encouraged by the fellowship of the believers coming from the church in Rome. Well, one would think that as we come to the end of this book uh, of Acts, we would get to read about Paul's trial because it all was leading up to his appeal before Caesar to see what the jury's verdict was, what Caesar's uh, determination with his life, to see the end of the story. However, as we look at the book of Acts, it doesn't seem to have an ending and we're going to look at that in a little bit more. So let's look at these verses of Scripture of Paul's ministry in Rome. First of all, he has a ministry with the Jews in verses 17 to 28. Well, he arrives at Rome in verse 16 along that Appian Way. They enter Rome, and Paul is loosely chained to, by the wrist to a Roman soldier in verse 20 who would be a member of the Praetorian Guard, which is Caesar's elite personal guard in Rome. Now, the centurion, who was Julius and had taken care of Paul, even through that that, uh, long imprisonment there and uh, that long sea voyage, he is releasing Paul to another official in verse 16. It says, the captain of the guard. Now, it's interesting, we learn from extra-biblical history that from the years A.D. 51 to 62, there was one distinguished general who was the captain of Caesar's Praetorian Guard, and his name was Afranius Burrus. He was the one who was responsible for all of the prisoners that would appear before Caesar. And he had been Nero's tutor. And Nero, of course, is the Caesar at this time. And he was the captain of the guard. Now, Burrus was a principal instrument in raising Nero to the throne. But he had a considerable uh, job of repressing some of Nero's more uh, violent tendencies. Well, Nero 
executed a lot of people and eventually executed this captain of the guard by the name of Burris. Burris is praised by the historians for moderation and his love of justice. And we notice here his treatment of Paul was commendable as well. So Paul is delivered to the captain of the guard and he is allowed great freedom, as it says there. And it says... And verse 17, and it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. Now, where is Paul? Is he in a dungeon? Is he in a jail cell or something? Actually, he has got unusual courtesy granted to Paul to live under house arrest. So Paul had his own rented house. So where's prisoner going to get money? Remember uh, that the people in Macedonia gave towards Paul? A lot of times when Paul was in ministries, he would go back to tent making in order to supply himself. But this time, it's kind of hard to make tents when one of your hands is chained to a Roman guard. It would not be able to, to continue his trade. But he's got his own rented house and probably from the gifts of the Philippians and other Macedonian Christians. It was probably the influence of Julius the centurion in his favor which obtained for Paul this privilege of living in his own rented house with only a single guard at one time. From the other scriptures we learn that the praetorian guards became his jailers during these two years of imprisonment. Well, uh, we find that he calls for the Jewish leaders. Now it says he's going to the Jews, but literally he can't go anywhere. So he has his own rented house and he calls for the leaders of the Jews to gather together so that he could really, his basic job is to preach the gospel to them and also to exonerate himself from the charges that the Jews in Jerusalem had made. Now there was a church in Rome, but the first thing that Paul does is he goes to the Jews or has the Jews come to him. As he always says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He is taking his ministry. There's two parts of Paul's ministry we see him accomplishing in Rome. First thing that he did, he goes to the population centers. He goes where the people are. And Rome is the biggest city in the known world at this time. So he goes to, you might say, the Tokyo or the Hong Kong or the New York City of that day. To be there where all the people are. And he ministers to the Jew First, he preaches the gospel to them. Now, he's seeking to show Israel that her promises have been fulfilled and not suspended and not transferred. Jesus is the fulfillment of these Old Testament promises. So there are several things that Paul is accomplishing there. He was showing himself that he was innocent of damaging the Jews or their customs. He wasn't there to upset the Mosaic law or the, the customs of the Jews. The Roman authorities in Judea thought Paul was innocent of the charges. Paul's only recourse is to get out of the Jewish noose, is to appeal to Caesar because they refused to deal with Paul justly. They attempted to assassinate him on several occasions. So he is not pressing any charges against the Jews for what they had done. He, he just let that go. You know, I think there's a lesson there too. There's a lot of times when life is unfair. 
You think of Paul and the unfair treatment that he was given. You know what he did? He let it go. Because he had more important things to do with his life. Not to hold a grudge or to get even. or He was there to preach Christ. And that was his passion. So he didn't charge these Jews for false imprisonment or anything like that. His primary objective in calling the leaders was to talk to them about the hope of Israel. It meant fulfillment of the Old Testament promises to Israel. Now, they claim, as he has this conversation with them, they claim, hey, we, don't, we haven't heard about you. Who are you? You know, uh, we didn't get any letters from Jerusalem, and nobody has come up this way to say anything about you. Uh, I think the reason that the Jewish leaders in Rome had no report about Paul is apparently the Sanhedrin was reluctant to pursue the charges to Rome because they really didn't have anything that would stick. They had no evidence. They had no case to present before Caesar. Well, they received no formal charges against Paul. They were aware of the gospel. They called it this sect. They had heard about it, and they said uh, they were very skeptical about it. Before the Jews left Paul at that meeting, they made arrangements for a, a formal and deliberate hearing of what Paul taught. So in verses 23 to 29, it says, then, So when they appointed him a day, okay, they had a day. It was going to take all day to do this. Many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. So Paul shares the gospel with them all day long. Paul pointed out how the Lord Jesus and his ministry fulfilled the law of Moses. And I'm sure that he picked out passages in the, in the, the book of uh, Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, all of those books where Christ is talked about. And then he chose the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah. And he, again, pointed out passages of Scripture. Have you thought about this, guys? Do you think that Isaiah talked about this suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53? The Messiah would suffer and his death would be an atonement for sins. And he pointed these things out very carefully from morning all the way to evening. Well, I don't think uh, even Baptists could last that long, you know. But they were listening. They were a captive audience and they listened all day. And what happened at the end of that all-day Bible conference, you might say, in verse 24... Some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. In other words, some believed, and some do not. His message was treated as the gospel is treated today. Some believe, and some don't. You know, it's amazing when I share the gospel of Christ with a group of people that may not be saved. It always amazes me. How could people not believe the simple gospel message that God loved them so much that he sent his only son to die 
to take their sins away. And all they have to do is repent of their sin and believe in Jesus Christ. That is a simple gospel story. And I scratch my head and I wonder why in the world do people hear that gospel and go away from it and say, no thanks. <laughs> you know what the devil uses our own sinful tendencies, our own desire for money, our own belief in some other kind of religion, our own sinfulness, our desire for stuff, or our own pride from accepting the simple gospel story. And Paul taught these Jews all day the best Bible teacher ever. He could not get a lot of people to believe in the gospel. So let's look at Paul. He tries to minister to the Jews there in Rome, and now he has a prison ministry in Rome in verses 29 to 31. First of all, we see that he was two years in his own rented house in Rome. Now, it says in verse 30, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. The, the word is welcoming. It's a continuous imperfect. And that's, he continued welcoming people on a regular basis who came into his own rented house to see him. A city was filled with Roman and Greek temples dedicated to a variety of gods and goddesses. And Paul was free to herald the good news to anybody, anybody off the street. It didn't seem like he had any hindrance at all. Anybody that heard about Paul, did you hear about that guy down there on the corner of, of this street there? He is telling about Jesus and uh, all you have to do is just go in there and he'll tell you about it. And he uh, attracted large crowds and the, the house must have been very big so he could get a lot of people in there and he would teach them. And he did that continuously for two years chained to a Roman soldier with one hand. It's amazing. So he had a ministry for two years in this rented house. He also had a ministry among the soldiers. It says in verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Now, if you remember in the book of Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14 says this, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, meaning in Rome, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it's become evident to the whole palace guard. Now, these are these Roman soldiers that were chained to Paul. The whole palace guard, it's become known to them, and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ... And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. As Paul was, I, I learned that they were in uh, ships around four to six hours. I can't remember exactly how long that shift was. Then one Roman guard would be chained to Paul. And Paul had all these people in. All these people. And he was telling them about Jesus. Going through the Old Testament scriptures. Talking to them about how they could know Christ as Savior. And guess who is sitting in a chair just a few feet with him by a chain is this Roman soldier. For four hours he hears it. All times the day. All times the night. And then, oh, Whew. 
boy, my shift is over. Here, you sit here. You take care. Watch this guy. And, and, uh, I, and they heard it, and they heard it, and they heard it. And many of those soldiers came to faith in Christ. It's amazing. One of the books that Paul wrote uh, during this prison was Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, he gives a description of the armor of God. Where do you think Paul got the idea of that armor of God? By the guy sitting uh, just a few chain lengths away from him. He saw him constantly, these different guys in Roman garb. And then God influenced him through the Holy Spirit to write these things and apply them to the warfare of the spiritual life. So the whole palace guard, the whole praetorium, had heard about Jesus and many of them who were there of influence in Caesar's household accepted Christ. It's amazing. And not only he had a ministry among the soldiers, Paul writes four epistles during this time. We call them the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. He wrote Galatians from somewhere else. But these are the four prison epistles that he wrote to different places. Remember, he had freedom. He, had, uh, he said, hey, could you go get me some ink down at the, the store or get, get some uh, uh, writing materials? Uh, and he had that freedom. So when you think of the prison that he was in during Rome at this time, it, it's a rented house chained to a, a guard. House arrest, you might say. In letter D here, God's assignment was his confinement. Just think of that phrase. God's assignment was his confinement. You ever think that, you ever say these words, if only. If only I wasn't sick. If only I won the lottery. <laughs> if only... I had different children. <laughs> if, I, if only I had a different spouse. <laughs> if only I was born in a different age. If only, if only, if only. And a lot of times we use that excuse for not serving God where we are. But, but pastor, you don't know. I've got a chain. Guess what? Paul had a chain. And his most effective work was when he was chained. Folks, don't use the excuse that I can't serve God. I can't do anything because I've got this chain. Don't rebel against that because your, God's assignment is your confinement. And he can do great things with you during that chain. A lot of times we pray, oh Lord, get me out of this and I think I could serve you better. Oh Lord, please spare me from this disappointment. Spare me from this physical and then I know I could serve you better. No, you wouldn't. God wants you with that chain at this present time so you can serve him most effectively. And Paul's greatest ministry was there during that Roman imprisonment. Oh, what type of prison ministry has God called you to? Serve him effectively. Let's look at the conclusion of the book of Acts here. Most likely, as you look at uh, verse 31, it seems like it's a very abrupt ending. And, uh, ending. and you ask yourself, well, what, what happened to Paul? I mean, he's there. He's under house arrest. And then the end. <laughs> I want more. How would you like to read a novel? And it didn't seem, it just seemed, well, what's the rest of the story? Are you going to call up the publisher and ask what happened to Paul? Well, we can ask those questions. We don't know for sure. But most likely, Paul was released 
from this imprisonment. Dr. Luke ended his book before Paul's case had been heard. So he could not give us the details of the trial. We have every reason to believe that Paul was indeed released and that he resumed his ministry, probably traveling as far as Spain. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read Paul's last words, and they are this. Chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. First century Christians wrote about this. In about 80 uh, AD, we read, Paul was probably arrested again about the year 67. And this time, his situation was changed drastically. He did not live in a house. He was chained in a prison and treated like a criminal. And that's the, the tenor of Second Timothy, that he was writing this from a different kind of prison altogether. Here, the curtain of inspired history closes over him. And the last sound we hear is his own shout of triumph as he braces himself for his last struggle in Second Timothy chapter 4. Church history tells us that he was led out one day in the early spring and taken outside the walls of the city of Rome. There... He knelt down on the road, and a sword flashed in the sun, and his head was cut off, and the apostle went home to be with the Lord. Clement, who was a uh, bishop in Rome, ministered close to the end of the first century, around 80 so A.D. He reminded in his epistle, we call it First Clement, that he wrote, it's not a part of the Bible, but he wrote to the church at Corinth how Paul, this is a quote, having preached in the east and the west, attained the noble renown won for him by his faith, teaching righteousness to the whole world and reaching the farthest limit of the west, bore testimony before rulers and thus passed from the world and went to the holy place. First Clement Five, seven. Tradition tells us that Paul was beheaded by the Romans on the Appian Way. The road that he came in was the road that he went out. Luke finishes his epistle with one word. In the Greek language, there was one word that ends verse 31, and that is the word unhindered. Literally, it's last word, the last word in Acts in the Greek language, and it's the word Akalutos, meaning unhindered. A word that falls like a victor's cry. The gospel has traveled all the way from Jerusalem, all the way to Rome. And Paul is pictured as preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. Unhindered is a, is a, is a cry of the church that continues to echo through the centuries. 
The book of Acts has no ending. There's no chapter 29. (laughs) Why do you think that? I think it's this. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to write chapter 29. I believe it is up to believers in Jesus Christ, members of the body of Christ, members of his church, to keep that gospel message going unhindered throughout the rest of time till Jesus comes back. We have entitled this series, Church Reboot. I believe if you talk to people about the glory days of their church. A lot of times they will remember and they will go back to this one pastor or this one member of the staff that did a great thing. They point to many people getting saved and baptized in the glory days of the church. Well, I believe for Peace River Baptist Church, the glory days of our church have not happened yet. The glory days of what God is going to do in our church are yet to come. I am so excited what God is going to do at Peace River. I I look for more and more people getting saved and more and more people getting into the waters of baptism, more and more people joining the church. I'm looking forward to this winter, January, February, and March, when we'll have a concert every Friday night, and this church is going to be filled with people, people that may know the Lord, And people that may not know the Lord and our ministry to them. And God's going to use that concert ministry. I'm looking forward to reaching more children and young families as we have got an associate pastor's job is that. I'm looking forward to ministering to our community. And the greatest days of Peace River Baptist Church are still yet to come. Why? Because the book of Acts has no ending. And it's up to you and I to continue that ministry. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you very much. I thank you very much for the lessons you've taught us through this book, this early church. And Father, I know that not only our church, but many of your churches have been hindered and affected by COVID. And our own spiritual laziness has taken over a lot. And so we need a church reboot. We need to get back to the book of Acts. We need to be about making chapter 29 happen right here at Peace River. God, equip us for the task. Embolden us with the power of your Holy Spirit. And give us that hand of God upon our church. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service today.